Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. My name is Brian Smith. I'm a seminarian of the Diocese of Youngstown. And joining me today is Jacob Stinnett, a seminarian of the Diocese of Columbus. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, you speak to us in many ways, and most especially you speak to us through your Holy Word, your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. In sacred scripture, we learn about his life, and we also read about the ways that you prepared his coming. Help us today to grow in appreciation for your word in sacred scripture. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So Jacob, we've spoken before about seminary and life. We've mentioned how there are four pillars in seminary formation, the Mm -hmm. human pillar, the intellectual pillar, the pastoral pillar, and the spiritual pillar. Correct. And we've, we've given some examples in previous shows of what those look like in our life in seminary, not only in class, but in the other elements of our life. And we've spoken of sacred scripture before. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do we study the books of the Bible, but we're praying with scripture throughout the day at Mass and at the Liturgy of the Hours. And the Liturgy of the Hours especially focuses on one book of the Bible especially. Right. Um, and that's the book of the Psalms. We pray twice a day the Liturgy of the Hours, and each of those times we have a number of psalms or maybe multiple parts of one psalm that mm-hmm. we're praying through. So I thought today maybe we could talk some more about the psalms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the psalms, of course, are very ancient. We find them in the Old Testament, which is also known as Hebrew Scriptures. So that means they've been around for a long time. Commonly, It's commonly thought they were written... Um, about a thousand years before the birth of Christ, maybe a little less than that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, within the time period between 500 and 900 years before our Lord was born. Right. So they're very ancient, almost Mm -hmm. 3,000 years old. And Mm -hmm. we still pray them, as you said, communally twice a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And the church uses them all the time in her liturgies. The, The Psalms formed a really central part of the way the people of Israel prayed the worship in the temple focused around the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've been very happy to continue in the church. Yes, absolutely. So um, what do we know about, you know, how praying of the Psalms has really been an uninterrupted part of our life of prayer? Or, um, you know, there's never been a time where we haven't turned to them, right? Right. So from any reference that you have to Scripture— that we find in the New Testament, if it's St. Paul referencing, as we see in Scripture, insert quote here, um, or any other reference to Scripture, that's always to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So 
in the time of Christ, in the first few decades, first few centuries after Christ, were referring back to, as you said, the Hebrew scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. Paul quotes the Psalms uh, many times in his letters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people think that Isaiah is the most quoted yeah. Old Testament author in the New Testament, but mm-hmm. it's actually the Psalms. Isaiah comes in second place. He gets silver. Um, and he, he'll get named a few times when he's cited by right. the gospel writers, for example. The evangelist will say, as the prophet Isaiah says, right. as the prophet says. So that kind of stands out in our minds. Right. And Isaiah mm-hmm. is very important for the New mm-hmm. Testament. But the Psalms for the New Testament are even more important. They're quoted even more often. So from the beginning, yeah, the church has used the Psalms, has prayed with the Psalms. And even our Lord Jesus Christ himself, on many occasions, cites mm-hmm. the Psalms. Right. There's the famous um, the seven last words of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, several of those are taken from different passages of the Psalms. Maybe the most famous is the beginning of Psalm 22, mm-hmm. um, his cry from the cross, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Um, so kind of putting the whole of the crucifixion scene in the context of uh, Psalm 22, um, which ends with um, this prayer of praise mm-hmm. also. Um, so seeing the cross as this obviously kind of gruesome, sad moment, mm-hmm. um, but remembering that it still finishes with the praise of God because Salvation is accomplished through it. So the so, Psalms kind of inform us as to what's going on even. So as much as that cry of our Lord is a cry of despair, mm-hmm. if we know the Psalms well, we see that there's an ending to the Psalm or a direction to it. Right. There's also hope mm-hmm. involved with that. Right. That's really hopeful. So being informed of the Old Testament and especially the book of Psalms helped us to appreciate those references to them throughout the New Testament, that's a really good point to keep in mind. Right. And the church, you know, now that we're past the historical New Testament times, we mm-hmm. still read the New Testament, obviously, and we're living in the age of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, but the church in her liturgy uses the Psalms all the time. At Mass, we have the responsorial psalm in between mm-hmm. the first reading and the second reading. That's probably the most um, commonly thought of right. instance of the Psalms being used, but they're used other places in the liturgy as well in in mass um, for all of the proper parts of the mass that we've talked about in a couple shows um, Mm -hmm. with music, um, those parts that change every day. Right. um, There are things taken from the Psalms. We have um, the entrance antiphon. Oftentimes it like daily mass will just be recited. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time that's from one of the Psalms. Um, Often the communion antiphon is taken from the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have them kind of informing the liturgy um, as we go along. What particularly are we praying for today or this week? Um, or some line that will help us pray better as we go to approach our Lord in communion. Mm-hmm. We hear often as well, one other place that I could think of was when we sing the Alleluia or the other Lenten acclamation before the gospel. There's mm-hmm. often a verse. Sometimes that's taken from the gospel or sometimes... It's also taken from a psalm. Right. So we'll hear a short, just a really short mm-hmm. extract Maybe just there. one line. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, what would you like to share about, you know, how the church developed ceremony around praying the psalms? You know, we, you mentioned we sing the responsorial psalm now, but like what are some of the other things from the church's liturgy and throughout her history that have sprung from just the fact that, okay, we have to pray the psalms every day, 
So how are we going to do that nicely? Right. Um, so praying the Psalms just in and of themselves has been an exercise of the church, mm-hmm. um, which we took over from the Jewish tradition. Um, we The church uh, previously had gone through the entire Psalter, 150 Psalms in a week, mm-hmm. um, in something called the Liturgy of the Hours. Mm-hmm. And the past 50 years, it's been um, reorganized a little bit, so it's in a four-week cycle now. It makes it a little bit easier for us to pray, at least time-wise. Can I insert a fun fact here really quick? Please. So, the rosary... Oh yeah, this before is a the good one. before the luminous mysteries, um, the the rosary had fifteen mysteries, mm-hmm. and for each of those mysteries, you would pray ten Hail Marys. Right. So the rosary kind of had a structure that was letting the people who might not know how to read and really didn't know how to pray the Psalms because yeah. they couldn't access them. They couldn't memorize all 150 they could, of them. They could still unite themselves to that idea of praying the Psalms by praying those one hundred Hail one hundred fifty Hail Marys in the rosary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the church, even outside of actually praying the Psalms, has realized this is a a good prayerful discipline to have and has kind of inserted that in other areas Mm -hmm. of popular devotion. That's awesome. Um, So the Liturgy of the Hours um, is the way that the church prays through the Psalms normally now. So there's um, five hours. Um, they don't take a whole hour to pray. Right. We're not talking about like 60 minutes, but we need right. five times in the day. Right. So it's it's a spot in the day that we're intentionally setting aside to sanctify and mm-hmm. and for that prayer to then sanctify the rest of our time until we get to the next right. quote unquote hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first is the office of readings, um, which is done usually in the morning, um, but it can be done anytime throughout the day mm-hmm. as one's schedule might allow. Um, that has three Psalms. Um, Morning prayer is to be said in the morning. Um, it's called lauds in the Latin, which means praises. Praises. Mm-hmm. Um, so often the Psalms will be praising God at the beginning of the day, thanking him for the day, and kind of hopefully setting our tone of praise and thanksgiving for the day. Mm-hmm. Helping to make a morning offering to him through mm-hmm. prayer with the church. Exactly. And then um, there's daytime prayer, which can be done either in three different hours, or mm-hmm. you can just pick one of those hours. At least once, mm-hmm. sometime between the morning and, and the, evening. the evening. Yeah, at mm-hmm. some point, take take five minutes aside during your day to kind of collect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the prayers that go along with that reference, you know, specific... thanking God for this time away from our work of the day mm-hmm. to praise you in particular. Right. Um, so that daytime prayer has three psalms with it. Um, and then we have the evening prayer, which also has usually three psalms. Um, sometimes... Often it'll be like a New Testament canticle, um, which kind of has the structure of a psalm, but it's not actually found in the book of Psalms. Right. Another part of scripture that's kind of like a poem or a song, Mm -hmm. but it's not taken from the book called Psalms. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And then there's night prayer, which is done at the very end of the day. And that might have just one or two psalms. It's a little bit shorter, a time to recollect your day, Mm -hmm. um, to thank God for it, um, to acknowledge our sins, those times where we weren't thankful for God and what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and then end the day in praise of him also. But the whole structure is informed by that book of of praises called the Psalms. Exactly, exactly. So in the seminary, um, we pray two of those um, hours together as a community, the morning prayer and the evening prayer, and then the other three we do um, usually in private mm-hmm. or maybe with a or small group of Sometimes we'll people. get together and pray them, especially exactly. at the Josephinum. We have guys from many dioceses, so maybe once once a week the guys from a certain diocese will try to get together and pray night prayer. Mm-hmm. 
That's been good. You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm speaking with Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus today about psalms. And we've been speaking about the psalms in general and a little bit of their history in the church and how we pray them. And now why don't we move on to talking about seminarian life specifically. Um, right. We mentioned that we pray them twice a day in mm-hmm. those different hours of liturgy of the hours. Um, but what more could we say about you know how the Psalms appear in our life in the seminary? So they also appear in Mass, as we've talked about. We yeah. encounter them there. Um, and as I said, the Psalms are on kind of a four-week cycle. Right. Um, so we're praying the same prayers pretty regularly mm-hmm. to the point where there might be some phrases that you know, you just kind of have them memorized at some point. There's several of the shorter psalms, um, especially for evening prayer, for whatever reason. I have those memorized better than morning prayer, maybe because mm-hmm. I'm more awake um, <laughs> in the evening to remember them. But there are some evenings where I can close my breviary and set it aside because mm-hmm. it's like I have these psalms memorized. That's sure. how often we pray them, how long I've been praying them mm-hmm. for um, going on five and a half years now at the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are these little things that you kind of pick up on or get stuck in your head um, that might maybe you'll repeat throughout the day as your little... Um, prayer, mm. a short prayer throughout the day. Um, and then there are other ones that we'll kind of rework at as little humorous phrases um, <laughs> throughout the day too, um, which are kind of amusing. So there's one psalm, uh, Psalm 110, um, which begins, the Lord said to my master, sit on my right, your foes I will put beneath your feet. Um, and so if you're, this happens sometimes like at the dinner table, the, the seat to your right will be open. And you'll see someone coming along with a plate. Oh, sit on my right. I'll put your foes beneath your feet mm-hmm. or something like that. It's like an invitation to sit down. Mm-hmm. This is a favored spot. You yeah, can stay here. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I've never had it happen that my foes have been put under my feet right then and there. <laughs> um, but, you know, one can always pray, I suppose. And you and I both are in theology, which means we're in the, if you will, the second half of our time in seminary. Mm-hmm. And at the Josephinum, we have two different dorms where... Those of us who are in theology live in one dorm, and those who are in the college live across the way, across the little yard or patio in a yep. different dorm. But earlier this year, there were some renovations going on, so we were all living together in um, one building mm-hmm. for two weeks, I think. So yeah. then when we when we left, we started singing um, one of the psalms about lamenting the time that we were away in our exile. It's Psalm 137. It begins with the people of Israel saying... You know, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Mm-hmm. So we would sing that while we were over there in the college, you know, right. remembering our, our home over there in right. theology. Looking at the building that we can't be in for two weeks while mm-hmm. they're finishing renovations yep. on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So just funny things like that um, will come up sometimes. Um, there's another one I think that you shared with me about um, sometimes we'll lament over dinner. Oh. Is that right? <laughs> well... Yeah, there was a, a priest who graduated a few years ago. I don't even remember what psalm this was in, I'm, I'm ashamed to say. But it has, this is an interesting fact, was worth sharing, I think, that when we pray these psalms in the Liturgy of the Hours, we don't just read through them. We start and end kind of like a responsorial psalm at Mass does, mm-hmm. where we have this really short, we call it an antiphon. Right. And that's more or less a refrain. Mm-hmm. But we don't sing it like all the time throughout the psalm. We just sing it at the beginning and at the end. And one of those antiphons says, 
you cannot serve both God and mammon, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is very much in line with what Christ himself says (laughs) in the Gospels. Um, and one of the one of the priests who graduated a few years ago would jokingly start singing it. You cannot serve both beef and chicken. <laughs> so sometimes when I can't serve chicken for the third time that week or something for dinner. <laughs> I still can't help myself sometimes, and I'll chuckle when we get to that one. Yeah, that's fun. So, um, you mentioned that we work through a cycle with the Psalms, and some people have told me before that they think that would get repetitive and boring. Mm-hmm. But I'm always happy to share with people who kind of present that my perceived complaint because um, they just think that it, it would become old really quick. I'm happy to share with them that you know, the Psalms, since they're... I, many people identify them as a universal prayer and like they really get in touch with human emotions on many levels. Right. They can and, speak to so many different situations right. too. Right. And that happens even within one's own life, Mm -hmm. where one day praying a certain psalm, one word or one meaning will stick out and really help shed light on my life in a specific way. And then going back another day, something else will be what I focus on. Right. So they're very rich in that sense. Yeah. Or you can make connections between other psalms that maybe Mm -hmm. you hadn't before for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There are things you can continue to plumb the depths of um, as far as their meaning, um, just what they're speaking into your life, or some of the praise psalms. Well, yeah, you're repeating the same words, you know, all the time. The sentiment behind it is still renewed because it's a new moment of praise. So even though we're praising God with the same words, you know, Lord, I praise you with all my heart. Your name is on my lips, um, as many of the psalms say. Just, like, repeating that is a good thing because that should be how it is, Mm -hmm. um, that we should continue to praise the Lord, not just read through the psalm once and okay that's that's good for me for the next two months or something no right in that sense the psalms are helping us to form habits Mm -hmm. and have just a proper constant disposition towards god towards looking to him thanking him praising him Mm -hmm. and turning to him in times of trouble too because the psalms are often about trouble (laughs) right that someone is facing yeah exactly so we in preparing for this show today we talked to a few other seminarians. Um, you thought we could conduct a short survey asking two questions. Just what is your favorite psalm mm-hmm. and why is it that you like that one? Right. So did you hear back from anyone? I did. I got a couple of responses. Um, one of uh, my fellow seminarians, Cameron, uh, responded that his favorite psalm, um, and he says it has been his favorite psalm for quite some time now, is Psalm 30. All right. Um, Psalm 30. I don't, I don't know if it's audible, but we're flipping our pages right now to get to Psalm 30 in the Bibles in front of us. Right. Here it is. I have it. Um, Psalm 30 begins, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. Um, and it continues on. Um, but it's a prayer of thanksgiving for recovery, um, for healing, for God's um, grace in our lives. Um, so this is one of Cameron's favorite psalms. He was saying that it's the perfect example of what conversion is supposed to look like hmm. um, for someone who is um, been redeemed by God, who's in the family of God. Um, he particularly likes the line that comes up a little bit later 
In the psalm, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Um, So there's just these beautiful images in there of what it looks like um, living as a son and daughter of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that that moment of conversion, looking back on it and thanking God for it continually, Mm -hmm. um, that moment where God comes into your life and either makes sense out of something or starts pulling you in the right direction, sometimes even against your will if, mm-hmm. if that's what God needs to do. Um, so yeah, Psalm 30 is one of Cameron's That's something favorites. we hope we can say to him a lot throughout our lives right. for different reasons. Yeah, and that's another aspect of the Psalms is they put words on our lips that maybe we wouldn't have put there. Mm-hmm. Like you said, forming good habits of, oh, this is the way I should be talking to God. Right, we, you have to keep in mind we're talking about inspired sacred scripture here. Mm-hmm. So praying with these texts is going to be informative and instructive for us and leading us to kind of be open to God's spirit as we pray. While we look for the next psalm, perhaps, um, I thought I might comment on something else. Yeah, please. Um, what What is our next psalm going to be? Uh, the next psalm is um, one of David's favorite psalms, which is Psalm uh, not too far away, Psalm 34. I thought so David wrote a- all the psalms. <laughs> Oh, you mean a seminarian, David. That's, That's right. right. So the, some people might wonder why in their Bible there's two numbers for the Psalms. Or maybe even in the Bible they have, when we say we're talking about Psalm 34, in their Bible it appears as Psalm 33. Maybe right. something like that. Yeah. And um, this relates to the original way that the Psalms were numbered. Mm-hmm. In Hebrew, there was one way they were divided up into 150 sections. Right. And then peculiarly enough, when the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures was made, and we call that the Septuagint, that's, mm-hmm. how, that's what it's known as, the most famous Greek translation, they divided up the Psalms differently. Right. And they gave some of them, some of them shifted off by one number. Right. Yeah, so uh, the, for a long time, the church was using the division um, that the Septuagint provided. Okay, right. Um, that is for probably most of the church's history. The mm-hmm. numbering of the Psalms has been what the Septuagint gives us. Um, but more recently, we've been trying to get back to the original sources, mm-hmm. right? So since the Septuagint, the Greek, is a translation of the Hebrew, yes. the original source would then be the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of um, Catholic Bibles have been using the Hebrew numbering, but they'll put in brackets the old Septuagint numbering just so we can kind of get reference. Oh, maybe yeah. if this is something older or somebody who's more familiar with the Septuagint numbering, mm-hmm. that's what it'll be. If you're reading something written by St. Augustine, he might use one number. Right. So it's just right. good to have both of them available. Exactly. So what does David the seminarian have to say about Psalm 34? Yes. So Psalm 34 is um, a psalm of thanksgiving and protection. Um, David uh, was recollecting he was a missionary in China for several years, um, and he said that this psalm helped him... Um, you know, and all the struggles that being a missionary in China would involve uh, him in, just a reminder of God's goodness, mm-hmm. of God's protection in all the circumstances that he found himself in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note about Psalm 34 is this psalm, the church is always given a preeminence in Eucharistic celebrations. Right. So um, oftentimes if there's not a psalm prescribed for the um, communion antiphon, yes. Psalm 34 is what you go with. So we right. hear it all the time at the seminary. Yep. Um, maybe not so much in the parishes if they're going to use a hymn at mm-hmm. communion time instead of the psalm. Um, 
but at, during his time in China, David wasn't Catholic yet, mm-hmm. but his favorite psalm was this Eucharistic psalm, uh-huh. kind of almost pointing him, in the, without him knowing it, yeah. in the direction of um, the Catholic Church. In that psalm, we see, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. Which is one of the Eucharistic connections. Yeah. And the whole thing is structured very Eucharistically, um, meaning Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Um, let the humble hear and be glad. And it continues on. So there's this, this element of Thanksgiving that is, you know, at the core of what Eucharist means. Of course. From the Greek, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we have time for one more example. Sure. And this was someone who was speaking to you, I think, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Carter wrote to me about his favorite psalm. It's a pretty familiar one, Psalm 91. It's the psalm that begins, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So, Carter um, reminds us that he gets to pray this every week. We pray this once a week in night prayer. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, you mentioned earlier, Jacob, that we have a four-week cycle for the psalms mm-hmm. but night prayer is a one-week cycle so right. we pray the same psalms every week for the different nights of the week so this one we get to pray every sunday mm-hmm. and there are two main themes that carter really connects with in this song psalm um it speaks of god's strength and protection to begin with which is also related to his care and protection and the way he um cares for us and his benevolence towards us uh, and it reminds us that we rely on him. So that was one thing that Carter really appreciated in this psalm. Um, and it has a lot of imagery that yes. Carter appreciated. Um, God picking us up, looking at us, tucking us in close to him, saving us from evil. So this song gives confidence in victory even in the mm-hmm. face of danger and evil. So he appreciated that a lot. Really, there's there's a lot of examples we could cite, and I look forward to discovering more and more of the richness of the Psalms over my life, right. and I'm I'm hoping other people will similarly, you know, turn to this book and just start discovering it now because right. you'll never exhaust it. Right. If you don't have a favorite Psalm, start looking through <laughs> and and praying many of them. Yeah. There might be several that stick out mm-hmm. um, in your mind uh, and in your heart that just draw you in to relationship with God that speak to whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it's a good one or maybe even a bad one. There are lots of Psalms that, that speak about complaints to mm-hmm. God, and, and that's a, a valid way of yeah. speaking to him. Through them, we can offer our whole life to him. Mm-hmm. Precisely. So um, let us end our show today as we end our Psalms at the mm-hmm. seminary, and let's pray together. Glory to the, the Father, Father, and to the Son, and, and to the Holy Spirit. Spirit. As As it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and and will will be forever. forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.